getting close. There's only one candle left, the Christ candle, and that will happen on Christmas Eve. So please come. Advent is a season of preparation, preparing our hearts to meet Jesus the Messiah. And I think it shows God's sense of, if not humor, sense of proportion that two of the people who did the very best job of preparing for Jesus were women. The women of Advent, Mary, of course, and Elizabeth. They model for us the way to prepare for our own visitation from Jesus. I want to walk through that story today. We've heard part of it this morning in the readings um, and see what we can learn from these two very wise women. Well, one's a child practically herself and one is um, a woman past her prime. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So, Luke is in the middle of his story about Elizabeth and Zechariah and the birth of John the Baptist when he interrupts it to tell us about Mary. She's identified as a virgin, betrothed to a man named Joseph. And based on what we know about the customs of that time, Mary was probably somewhere around age 13 to 15, just a little girl. And Nazareth... I looked this up. Nazareth today is a city of about 11,000 people, but back in Jesus' day, they figure it was only about 400. Now, Ahihik is the smallest town I've ever lived in. <laughs> 400. My high school graduating class was like 700. <laughs> so I can't even imagine. It was a tiny little town. Luke has set the scene for us. And the next part says, an angel... Actually, God sent his angel. I'm sorry. Can we have a Bible verse up here? Yeah, that's what I just read. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. And then the angel went to her, to Mary, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Luke just described, before we got into this part of the story, Luke just described how Zechariah reacted when he was told that his wife, Elizabeth, was going to bear a child in her old age. And Gabriel terrified him. Mary, on the other hand, reacted with humility. She says she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. What in the world would he mean by you are highly favored? Why was she highly favored? Do we listen to God in humility? She was just a little girl. The atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell was once asked what he would say if he found him standing before God on Judgment Day. He was an atheist, right? He would say, and God asked him, why didn't you believe in me? Bertrand Russell said, well, not enough evidence, God. Not enough evidence. Bertrand Russell was saying, God, you weren't smart enough to convince a brilliant man like me. That's not humility. Other people say, I can't believe in a God who would allow innocent children to die. Or I can't believe in a God who would send people to hell. That's a very common thing to hear. In other words, I would be better at being God than God is. If God exists, 
he isn't that good. I definitely know how good I am. Therefore, I can judge God. But the truth is we're not as smart as God, and we're not as good as God. And when we face that truth, we see what God means when he said to Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Humility. Humility is the only way we can receive God in our lives. And Mary, she had it. The story continues. Let's go. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. That's quite a list. And I imagine Mary needed some presence of mind to remember all of that. And I hope that Gabriel didn't rattle it off just like I did. Mary, you're going to conceive a son. His name is already decided. You're going to call him Jesus. Your son, he'll be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. That's God. Yes, your son will be called the Son of God. God will put him on a throne of Israel, and he will reign forever. Mary is this little girl from a little town, and she's going to give birth to a king who will be called the Son of God. And Mary's response is, How will this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin. Mary responded in faith. How will this be? She didn't question the truth of what Gabriel said, like Zechariah had. Zechariah's question about having a son in his old age was, how can I be sure of this? Mary's question was, how will this happen? She knew it could and would happen because God said so. But how? I don't know how long it took Mary to process all this information, but she was pretty quick. Before she even asked her question, she seemed to realize that if her son would be called the son of the Most High, he wouldn't be the son of Joseph. So how will this happen? And Gabriel told her. He said, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. That's the second time he said that. What presence of mind she had to remember it so specifically in order to tell Luke about this whole speech. She's one calm little girl. Then Gabriel goes on to reassure her. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month but no word from God will ever fail. What wonderful words of comfort that must have been to Mary. And for us, no word from God will ever fail. And she responds in perfect faith and humility. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am his slave, is what she's really saying. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. There's that humility again, but it also shows that Mary truly understands her Jewish heritage. I was struck by this this past week when 
You're not going to believe this. I was reading in the book of Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> I try to read through the whole Bible and then start over again. And I was in the book of Leviticus, which is not one of the easy ones. And in chapter 25, the Lord describes how Israelites are supposed to treat their slaves. And he tells them, by the way, you are never to hold a fellow Israelite as a slave. You can only have foreigners as slaves. Why? And I quote, for the Israelites belong to me as slaves. They are my slaves whom I brought out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Mary understood this. I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's handmaiden. I think we've heard, I am the Lord's slave. And she goes on, may your word to me be fulfilled. And that is a leap of faith. No more questions, just that one. May your word to me be fulfilled. What an open heart she had. What great faith. When things seem to be going against us, do we respond in faith? Do we know in our hearts God will take care of us? What if God asks you to do something, something outside your comfort zone? Do you respond in faith saying, may your word be to me fulfilled? Or do you struggle? My guess is that anything God asks you or me to do is not going to be as hard as what he asked Mary to do. So let's look for what our calling is and respond with Mary's open-hearted faith. I love what this says about God, too. He did nothing against Mary's will or without her permission. He didn't surprise her with an unexpected pregnancy and say, lucky you, Mary. <laughs> You've been chosen to be the vessel that brings forth the Messiah. No, Gabriel waited until he had received Mary's permission and then he left. The story goes on. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. There's a lot packed into that sentence. I've got many, many questions. Mary hurried to see Elizabeth. Do you think that before she left, she told her parents about the visitation from Gabriel and what she had agreed to do? And do teenage girls, or did they back then, just you know, jump on a donkey or walk or whatever, 80 miles, 100 miles to visit relatives without their family? It would have taken at least a week to travel, probably more. It was, as Luke said, hill country. So this is not like a walk on your gym's treadmill. And in fact, Dean and Lynn and I and Ross walked 100 miles for a week in the Cotswolds in England a few years ago, and it was hard work. <laughs> and we didn't have to carry our luggage. I think about Mary walking on that road for a week, and she was probably pondering all this stuff in her heart, which we know she liked to do. How would she break this news to Elizabeth, who she was going to see? How would she tell her parents? How would Joseph react? What would become of her? Is it possible that Mary was now worried about her reputation? In a town of 400 people, everyone would know everybody else's business, wouldn't they? And in fact, everybody had to already know Mary was a good girl. We know she was a good girl. And some people would kind of gloat about that. Oh, I always knew that Mary was a little too good to be true. 
Look, she and Joseph, they must have found a way to get away from those chaperones. So, I imagine that she was concerned that this would bring shame on Joseph as well. With all this on her mind, it's clear why Mary wanted to go see Elizabeth. She had someone, someone she could talk to, someone who was in a sort of a similar situation, a miraculous pregnancy, although very different. Elizabeth and Zechariah had been trying to conceive for years. They would have had to have given up hope. Unlike Mary, they're a couple of high standing in their community. Zechariah is a priest. Mary, or Elizabeth, is um, from the priestly line. There likely would have been whispers about why God had not yet blessed them with a child, but there was probably some sympathy as well. They were, they were good folks. We can imagine that Mary was going to be on the receiving end of much more vicious gossip. She didn't have friends in high places. And she was alone. But if there was somebody who could give Mary encouragement and advice, it would be Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was up to the task. In verse 41, we hear, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth and her baby reacted with joy, great joy. Mary barely said hello, and Elizabeth begins her ministry of encouragement. She shouts for joy. She gives Mary and Mary's baby an awesome, spirit-filled blessing. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And this says to me that our basic response to the arrival of Jesus onto the scene of history ought to be joy. Elizabeth has been rejoicing God's blessing to her, for the last six months, maybe seven by now. But she only mentions her own blessing in reference to Mary. She is humble of heart as well. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and then she blessed Mary once again. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. How reassuring this greeting would be to a young girl overwhelmed by the enormity of what she's taken on. She has to know her story sounds unbelievable. There will be skeptics. There are probably skeptics sitting in this church today, 2,000 years later. There will be gossips. She doesn't know yet whether Joseph will believe her. We don't even know if she's told her family yet. But Elizabeth knows Elizabeth is Mary's friend, her mentor, her partner. If Mary is the first of Jesus' followers, Elizabeth is the second. Why am I so favored? Why are we all so favored that God loved us enough to come to each one of us in person through Jesus, the Messiah, through the Holy Spirit who lives in us? Why are we so favored to be part of God's plan? All of us have a role in God's plan. And we should share this wonder, this joy. 
To be blessed is to be happy because God has touched your life. Elizabeth realized that both she and Mary were incredibly blessed. Advent is a season of hope and expectation of joy. But I realize that the reality of Christmas rarely lives up to these hopes. And many of us go around feeling less than blessed and happy. And I'm not here to to beat up on you if you're feeling disappointed. I've been disappointed too. I do want to urge you to consider that happiness is not the same as joy. Happiness is based on situations and experience and is by definition fleeting. Happiness happens. The related words. (laughs) And then it's over. It's sort of like Christmas dinner. But joy, joy is internal and it can always be accessed despite what's going on around you. It's like Ebenezer Scrooge says at the end of A Christmas Carol, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. I love A Christmas Carol, don't you? And we would do well to do the same with one significant change. The Holy Spirit shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that he teaches. That can bring us daily joy despite circumstances of illness or fear or disappointment or cranky relatives. This involves some work on our part, but again, if we're part of God's plan, we are blessed. And when God includes us in his plan, we should make it our goal to respond like Mary and like Elizabeth in humility, saying, I am the Lord's slave. In faith, saying, may your word to me be fulfilled. And in joy, saying, why am I so favored that my Lord includes me in his plan?